Today is the first of our Bible Mondays. We're going to be working our way through the Gospel of John this year with the cooperation of the professors from Wesley Seminary and the School of Theology and Ministry. Today, uh, I just want to remind you, it might not be a bad idea to actually bring a Bible. It's helpful to work through the Word that way. If you don't have it, click open something and look at it there. I'd like to take a moment to introduce our speaker for today. I don't know that we'll do this every Monday, but uh, he's officially known as the Assistant Professor of Youth Ministry, but most of you know him by another name. Would you guys welcome Charlie Alcock? Good day. Thanks, John. I want to give a couple, uh, uh, or just say a couple things first. I want to give a shout out to the balcony. What's up, balcony? I see you. How you guys doing up there? I wanted to bring a box of donuts and see if I could chuck them up there, but uh, that did not make it through Jennifer Martin. <laughs> she was not going to have that. I also want to say this. Um, as you know, as a, a pastor-ordained minister, um, God tells me things. Is that okay, Dr. Ken? Can I say this? And so Dante, number five, where are you at? Dante, if you're here, bro, I was telling you this after the game on Saturday. Dude, that boot will come off and you will be fine. Because we need you. Because we know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, got that Braden Smith on the other side. Dude, that goofy bro. I mean, it's like he needs you on that side to take some heat off of him. Is that cool? Braden is right You know, I love you, bro. Good days. Okay, sit up. Yeah, you too. Both you guys. Yeah, there we go. All right. What's up, Zach? Good to see you, bro. Okay. So, uh, Dante, the boot's coming off. I don't know what the trainers are saying, but I'm just saying the Lord spoke to me today, and you're going to be fine. Is that cool with everybody? All right. I love seeing the dreads, like, floating through the air as you're racing to the touchdown zone. I mean, just hanging out there. That does my heart good. I like that. Man, Saturday was a good day. This place is blowing up, man. And, and it's like the Colts come back and win on Sunday, give us some hope. Dude, even IU won. I mean, come on. Purdue got robbed. All right, who's the Purdue fans in this place? Dude, that was a touchdown. I don't like Purdue, bro, but that was a touchdown. Wide receiver, right? I mean, he contained it, controlled it all the way to the ground. Got robbed, but whatevs. Here we are. We're in chapel on Monday morning, and we're going to start working through Scripture and it's my job to kind of set up what's going to be happening the rest of the semester. And so uh, um, as we get into this, as we begin to read John chapter 1, there's a couple of things you need to know. And all your Bible professors are going to say this. Something is taking place in John that I want to talk to you about before we read the scripture. And that's this. There is this word called incarnation. It's this theological perspective. That literally God became flesh and dwelt with us, walked around with us, was in contact with us. Meaning that Jesus actually was on the planet earth, walking around, understanding all the things that we understand. Okay? Knowing what it's like to be human. Knowing what it's like to be tempted. Knowing what it's like to sit in the balcony or the front row. Knowing what it's like to eat at Baldwin or whatever the case may be. Because obviously Jesus is supernatural, bro, so he could do whatever he wants. He could skip the line at Chick-fil-A. He could do whatever he wants to, but he chose to stand in line. Okay, and use his points. He did those things so he could 
connect with us in this contextual way, understanding who we are. That's how Jesus can communicate and talk to us. That's why he's so relevant today. He's as relevant today as he was then. Because he's supernatural across time and space. And so you have this idea of the incarnation. Get that right on that New Testament test. It's going to be on there. Okay, you should know that. That is like God, like in the flesh, dwelling, hanging out with us. Those are good days right there. You should all say amen to that one. Okay, balcony, say amen. One, two, three. Good, gotcha there. We're lost you over here. Stay with me. Okay. The other thing is this. You're going to hear about this guy named John. And the one thing I want you to know about John is this. He actually believed that Jesus was God. Now this is critical. All right. He actually believed it. There's a lot of people that think that Jesus is a supernatural bro who's floating around doing some amazing things. Okay. All right. I mean, they know about all this stuff that's taking place with him and the healings and things like that. But John comes back and does something. He clarifies that Jesus isn't just, and you can quote me on this in your New Testament class, he's just not supernatural bro. He's actually God alive in the flesh. And I promise you, I'll talk to every New Testament professor, they will accept that answer. All right? John actually believes. Because there's a problem that exists throughout the entire time that Jesus is on the planet Earth. And that is, is he actually who he says he is? Is he actually the one who can do all those amazing things? So as we get into this, it's my job on Bible Mondays to set up this, this whole process. Now here's the other thing that your, all your professors will say. If Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're dealing with all of the historical parts of Jesus, John, we might say, deals with the meaning of Jesus. I mean, there's more into the book of John that talks about the why. See, you get a lot of the times you get the, the when, where, what, and how when you read Scripture. But what John does is like, whoa, 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 hold on. Why does he do these things? What's going on behind? What's taking place? What's like the deeper inside look at this? So as we get into this, what I want to do this morning is simply tell you that. Read what I think is critical scripture for us. And I want to pull out some ideas on what it might have been like to be this guy named John. Who's actually walking around proclaiming, hey, I'm telling you right now, it's him. He's here. You need to know this guy. John is introducing the world to Jesus. And to me, I'm going to tell you the very end, that is our great opportunity. We get, you and I get to do the exact same thing. We get to introduce the world to Jesus. In fact, I'll say this. What I think is one of the greatest values of chapel is not me standing here or anyone else standing here talking to you. What I think is one of the greatest values is when you're standing together proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ in community. That minute that we just threw it all, I mean, we're singing that. Bro, can you hear? I mean, I'm just standing right there. When can we come together as one body, all of us together? I know we do it individually. I know we have those private moments which are pretty important. We all know that. But it's just as biblical for us to come together and say, Jesus Christ, we trust you, we believe in you, we proclaim your name. That is such a high value. That's why chapel is so critically important. 
you've got to walk anticipating that I don't care or know, or I don't know on the inside of who's speaking that week or that day. So what? You come into this place and you get to proclaim that Jesus Christ is real. Now that says something to the world. All right? That is our value of walking across campus after class to get here on time and to stay engaged. Because we get to proclaim something that is the most critically important thing that exists. It is. You know and I know it. So when I walk the chapel, that's what's in my mind. I'm not looking at that like board that says who's speaking this week. I don't care who's leading worship. I know that I get to be with you. I get to hang out with you, my teammates, my friends. And say one thing, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. That's the great value of this. So let's go to look at scripture. I want to read you just in the beginning. It's going to be on the screen. Take a look at it. If you have your biblioteca, you can read it with me as well. Library of God's word. I know. Good night, man. This is a hard crowd. Hey, I saw, who's up in the balcony that you got on your phone? Good job. Staying, yes. Good job. Amen. I bless you. All right. Read with me. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Again, this is John, okay? Is this chapter 1? Okay, you guys with me? This is John explaining to everybody, who is this person? What's going on here? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness was not over, had not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as witnesses to the light. Father, in your name right now. As we look at these couple verses, I mean, this blows my mind to think that we're reading this together. This critical part of your word, proclaiming who you are, declaring that you are the light. And that we get to point to be witnesses of the light. God, I pray for that. I know that we're busy right now. I know that people are... are just like still getting used to school and college, but at the same time, stuff is due right now. I know there's some people that have all kinds of physical things that are taking place in their life. I know there's emotional situations, family. Others are just loving every second of it. I pray, God, right now, you clarify why we all are in this place. God, in your name, amen. So what I did was this. I went back and I thought, okay. We're in chapel. Let me pull out just a couple points without like going through all of chapter one, which we need about 17 straight hours. Then we have to take a break, come back, and then exegete the whole thing, come back and spend another 17 to 18 hours, and then spend about three years figuring it out. All right, and getting Dr. Ken in here and like explain what this word means in its original context. That would do it just treatment, to be totally honest. So I want you to read it. 
Prep for these Mondays. Start reading John. Not because you have to and it's a class. Because you want to. Because you want to grow spiritually. Read scripture because it's like part of your life. Not because it's a duty. Okay. So begin to read this and see what's going on here. But let me pull out just a couple things really quick. What's going on here? John is trying to proclaim to everybody, hey, this person, this is God alive right now. This is him. How does John do this? What does John do? How does he function? How does he relate to other people? Because if we keep on going with John, people aren't so happy with him. Okay? And it turns out that John actually loses his life. He's literally beheaded for proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the light. So how does this happen? How does this person who is so famous in his own right, I mean, John would be like, you know, the guy who's, who's throwing like six touchdowns in one game. And then he comes back and does it again and does it again. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, Dude, it's like you're this amazing, incredible person. You must be the number one. You are the one that we're going to look to. You're our leader. And John's like, no, no, no. I'm not the leader. I'm only talking about the one who is the leader. Here's what happens with him. Number one is this. Look at your screen. This is what he does. And you'll see it right here. To John, how can you say you love God yet not actively seek restorative relationships with others? It's not Christ like to just hope that relationships are restored, you decide to invest in relationships with others. John is in constant conflict with people all the time who want to break relationships with him, who disagree with him. And what does he do? He constantly seeks restorative relationships because that's who Jesus Christ is. Constantly seeking restorative relationships. I don't even have to dig into it that much with you. I mean, you guys are incredibly intelligent. You know exactly what's going on in the context of our world today. You know what's taking place. There is so much to divide us, to rip us apart, to separate us. What's the one thing that unifies us all? Jesus Christ. The one thing that brings us together. That can cause people from all kinds of different perspectives and opinions to say, you know what, I'll set that aside and be restored in a relationship with another person. John knew that. And I'm just saying to you, can we learn one lesson? Can we learn this? How can you say that you love God and not care about other people? I heard this person one time. Long time ago, say, hey, it's either all of Jesus or none of them. Don't pick and choose the part of him you like and just take that. Now, now that person was saying, and I was sitting in the chapel building, and I was 100% guilty of picking and choosing the part of Jesus I really connected with. I mean, I like that part of Jesus because that resonates with me. But I'm not going to accept this part of Jesus because that's too difficult. And I don't know if I even agree with him there. How can you say that you love God and you don't seek to restore relationships with others? I'm going to tell you right now, almost all of my notes were a re-glean or new from what Nicole Smithy said last week. Did she not say this? 
are we still not dealing with what she talked about and what happened here at Summit? I think we should be. I know people right now that I have in class, other people who are on different groups and organizations, people that are doing this privately, entire teams that are rehashing what she talked about. And you and I both know that she was dropping bombs on this platform last week that were hitting home to a lot of our hearts and minds. Truth. And not only was it truth, but it was truth well spoken. Just saying, how can you say if you don't, the second thing we'll see right here is this. You limit God. This is number two. You limit God when you view relationships in terms of how you feel or what your capacity is. Think about this just for one second. Most of the time, we view God in terms of how we see ourselves, not how he sees us. What does God see in you? I think he sees more in you than you see in yourself. I think he sees something in you that you've not even discovered yet. I think that's who God is. He crafted you. He created you. He knows you. And he knows there's much, much more. What my tendency has been is to do this. Limit God in my relationships in terms of how I feel. And what I think. And here's that key word, what my capacity is. See, it's true. We all have a level of capacity. Maybe it's what we grew up with. Maybe it's something that it's like we gleaned from our parents or the church that we grew up with. But our capacity seems to be limited based on our experience. And that capacity says, I can only handle this much. And what Jesus Christ is saying is, I want to take the lid off that capacity. And I want to show you that you have so much more to offer. Not only to the people that are next to you. Not only to the people that are surrounding you. But the entire planet Earth. You have more to offer. Your capacity is not limited. I will open the door to something you've never experienced. Because I'm telling you right now, there was no way when I sat in chapel that anybody ever thought that I'd be on this platform. What does God do? He opens the door to your capacity to do things that do what? Proclaim to the world that he is the light. How cool is that? That God would use you? And me, to do the miraculous, I think he loves doing that. I think he loves it. This is the third thing that he does, all right? This is John now. This is the way John is connecting with people. Don't get so attached to the story of Jesus that you fail to see, that you fail to stay in consistent relationship with him. Don't get so attached to the story of Jesus that you fail to stay in connected relationship. Here's how I would say it as well. Don't live your lives based on the rumors of someone else. The story that you read in that book, the, that E60 series, that thing you saw on TV, that documentary. How about it becomes your story? Make your story relevant. It's so classic for us to live based on the rumors of everyone else. What did this person do? 
how did they live their lives and come back and celebrate, oh, that was amazing. They did such a great job. And then we walk out the doors and we just keep doing the same thing we've been doing. We keep on walking the same thing way we walk and saying the same things we say and we're not really transformed. Don't live based on the rumors of someone else. Dude, make this journey yours. What do you want out of all of this stuff? What do you want? To have a paper with an A on it that says, I reported, I read about it? Or to walk out of here knowing that you lived it? And you're ready to go live it some more and some more and some more. Live it while you're in college. Don't read about it. Live it. Yes, read about it, professor. Yes. Read about it and write those papers and get those A's. Okay? Amen? Balcony? Are we still there? Yeah, thank you. God bless you. We're here. But don't you want to live it? Don't you want to experience it? It's what changed in me. Stop talking about it. Man, really good at singing about it, chanting about it, telling stories about it. And then came that switch. That switch where it's like I got to experience it. I got to live it. And that's where the change really began. And then I kind of went back to my notes and I thought, man, I was really concerned about something on Thursday's chapel that was over at the pack when Nicole was speaking. And so I changed my notes for today based on what she said, what I thought was relevant to this portion of scripture, and that's this. Take a look at it. You have always been loved by God, all right, unconditionally, even if you don't know it. She said that last week. Do you believe it, though? You have always been loved by him unconditionally, even if you don't know it. Or you're like me, you can't accept it. I mean, am I the only one like that? Where it's like I hear people talk about the unconditional, amazing love of Christ and what he does. And it's like that makes so much sense for, you know, for Braden or Dante or somebody else. But it doesn't make sense for me. Because you don't know me, and you don't know the mess that I came from, and you don't know what's going on in my mind, and there's no way, if I can't love myself, how can God love me? And the biblical truth is this, you are unconditionally loved by him, even if you won't believe it or accept it. But I hope and I pray that there will come a point in your life where you will, where you literally relinquish the rights to yourself and say, God, I trust you with me. You are who you say you are. You are in the flesh, God, walking, dwelling, living among us. And I trust you with who I am. It's a part of all of our journeys who know Christ. To relinquish the rights to ourselves and trust him with us. And then she said this. Christianity is not behavior modification. It's transformation. You see that in John you see that throughout scripture here, that we don't come just to be like, you know, modified a little bit, to change the way we say our words, but for our soul to be renewed, for something to change deep within us. You see, that's where you get that like energy. That's where you get that passion. You know what passion comes from? Passion comes from the moment that the word becomes real in your heart. And it begins to dwell in there. 
And the overflow of God's word alive in you is what spills out to everyone else. That's what passion is. You see passion in all kinds of people. You see passion in all kinds of personalities. All kinds of personalities have this like thing about them when it's clear, it's obvious that somebody has been with Christ. I see that all the time with Jim Lowe. When he's floating across campus in the morning, it's like we're, he's not even touching the ground. I mean, the bro's been with Christ. A bunch of you don't know this person because he's retired now, but, but I would walk into the office, and I still do this when, when Dr. Wilbur Williams is there. Early, who had Dr. Wilbur? Yes. Joshua not knowing what Jehu had done. Right. Is that pretty good? Now, JC, I would like you to pay attention in class. Okay. I mean, you see somebody who spent so much time with Christ. It's so cool to be around those kinds of people. It's cool for me. Like, I have a father-in-law who is like that, where, where, where the only person I will watch Michigan and Ohio State with is my father-in-law. All right? That's the only, I'm not watching that game with a bunch of fans. I'll only watch it with him. Okay? Because there's enough love and respect between us. No matter who wins or who loses, it's like, it's okay. All right? There's not a lot of, like, bantering and yelling and screaming. But the point is this. Is that every time I'm around this person, he just exudes Christ. And it's obviously he's been with him. That's where passion comes from. You can have that. And I think a bunch of you do. And then this is the last thing that I gleaned from her for today for you and me is this. God did not design us just to consume his love. Grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. He also created us to contribute in giving it. She said that in my class and she said that in chapel. The warning for us, what we see exampled here at the beginning of John is this. is not just someone who's consuming all this amazing presence of who Christ is, but they're contributing they're connecting with other people to the point where John literally puts his life on the line for it. And you know why I think he put his life on the line for it? Because he believed that Jesus Christ was real. He knew he was real. He knew there was so much more than just the moment. Because their life in Christ is not about the moment. It's about a movement that spans eternity. That's hard to comprehend in our world right now. Because in college, you live moment to moment. It seems like I did. Then all of a sudden, the older you get to realize, hey, it's not about just this moment. We're part of this incredible movement that connect us to something that's real. If you know Jesus Christ, it does. If you're committed to Jesus Christ, it does. If you follow Jesus Christ, it does. And that's what we get. I think that's who we are. Father, in your name, help us to understand these words. Help us to go back and read the scripture and glean so much more from it than what I just brought out today. Because there is so much more. In your name, 
Everyone said? Amen. Have a good day. Get out of here. Go to class. Hey, if I'm walking through Chick-fil-A, just give me a space really quick, all right? All right, just one little spot. Maybe a swipe if you want. I'm just saying, you don't have to. I am ordained. It's okay. Keep going. Go, go.